You're listening to Extraordinary Work, conversations about creating change. I'm Terry Yaffe, founder of Try Coaching. Throughout my career, I've worked in many industries from fashion to advertising to sales. I'm a certified executive, career and business coach, and a TV and podcast host. This podcast will connect you with people who work passionately, striving to make a difference in their corner of the world. I hope these authentic and inspiring conversations will help you channel your ability to create change. This is Episode 11, Extraordinary Work, Conversations About Creating Change is brought to you by Transcend Capital, helping people better understand new investment opportunities and wealth management by exploring high growth opportunities, commercial real estate, and ways to reduce their tax exposure. My guest is Vivian James Rigney, an extraordinary executive coach, president, and CEO of Inside Us, who is globally recognized as an authority on leadership and teamwork with many of today's top leaders in the world of business. However, Vivian's real story takes us to the seven summits, the highest peak on all seven continents, including Mount Everest, which he has successfully climbed, the lessons he learned facing death and fear with each climb and how these amazing feats have made him a humbler person, a more insightful and better leader, and most importantly, a true human being. These experiences inspired Vivian to write Naked at the Knife Edge, which was published on March 8th, 2022, and is also available on audio, which Vivian has recorded himself and describes in great detail his climb up Everest and how this climb impacted his life choices moving forward. Welcome. How are you today? I'm great. I'm great. I'm very happy to be here, Terry. Great to join you this morning. Thank you so much, so much. So Vivian, tell us a bit about how you got to where you are. It's been a a long and windy road. Uh, (laughs) Originally came from Ireland, brought up in Ireland, um, business background, left Ireland when I was young. I was just, I just turned 20. Um, I lived in this, I lived, I lived in seven countries. so lived in the UK, brief Ireland, UK after Ireland, then Germany, then South Africa, then France for more studies, and then moved to Finland uh, for quite a chunk of time, and then I moved to the United States. <laughs> I've been here 15 years now in New York City. Wow, 15 years. So how did your path lead you, A, to becoming an executive coach? and really wanting to help leaders. And then obviously your you're climbing all of the summits. Yeah, I think the, for my coaching life, I was in corporate. So 
the, the position before I made the change, I was running a software company in Finland. Um, and previous to that, I was in South Africa. And I remember during those jobs, how, feeling how incredibly lonely it can be as a leader to have a lot of responsibilities on your plate. You have to be very careful of what you share um, with others around you because they're interpreting everything you're saying. Um, and that creates, by default, a sense of loneliness in a way. You're, you're, you're trying to triage the thoughts in your mind versus what you can share versus what's important, what's not important. You're in an echo chamber as a leader. And uh, when, I, when I decided on moving into the coaching career, I saw and I remembered that need that I had when I was in South Africa specifically of really missing, of, of, of wanting an opportunity to talk to somebody on a confidential basis and kind of sharing everything about my concerns, my worries, my anxieties, things I was lacking, things where I was just plainly stuck. And I didn't have an answer and I was in a way failing. And the coaching field at the time I was reading about it, it opened up this whole idea, wow, there are people out there who do this as a job. This is a fun, must be, there must be a lot of people like me who are in need for this. And the more I read about it, the more compelling it became that that there's a business around this. And that's where I started my journey, initially in Finland, uh, working across Europe, different organizations, and then after that, United States, where, where I've been now for, for, for many years. And uh, that's how I broke, broke, so from corporate into the brave world of coaching. So you obviously started your climbing experience before you chose to become a coach yeah correct so i was just i was living in south africa at the time and kilimanjaro was in the same continent i was doing a trip to tanzania for work and i was very ambitious i was a young guy still in my 20s and i decided to just have a go for it uh have a go at it and uh, what i realized for the first time was that altitude meant that whatever my brain thought, I can climb this mountain, it's there, I'm, I'm in my 20s, I'm fit. You know, I'll just go and climb Kilimanjaro, isn't that great? Uh, that separation of, of, of mind and body, where I, I experienced something called altitude for the first time. And that, uh, and that was a shake for me. It's like, wow, just because I want to do something doesn't mean I can do something. And that was a kind of a moment of realization, where if your mind and body are not in sync, you have a problem. Uh, but the idea there was about, I heard about the seven summits, uh, highest peak in each of the seven continents. And I just started doing, you know, one at a time, whenever I could, whenever I had the time off, whenever I had the resources, obviously it's very expensive to travel. And, and so began the journey in parallel, uh, at the same, in parallel with, with my career changing, moving into coaching. So it was a very exciting time um, and lots of, lots of dynamics at play. You know, I think of you in a lot of ways as this renaissance man, right, um, doing all of these summits and then coming back down to earth, so to speak, and being a extraordinary coach. Um, you know, there's the upper and then there's the level. And what I wonder is, how have how has climbing these summits even prior to Everest changed the way that you help leaders as a coach or has it 
I think it's impacted me enormously. And I think the uh, when you're climbing tall mountains, the, the one thing you, you realize pretty quickly is all the things you cannot control. You can't control the weather. You can't control the conditions. You can't control the people on your team, how, how they're feeling physically or, or where they're coming from. You can't control how your body is responding to altitude. So you have so many variables that you're that you have no no direct control over and that's a separation from 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 corporate where you you go out of your way to try and control as many of those variables in order to achieve performance right uh, and and people absolutely strive toward that so the mountains teaches you a lesson that there are many things you cannot control so you have to understand that you have to be able to let go otherwise you're fighting yourself you're fighting things that cannot respond anyway um, so it's very humbling in a way and there's a lot of uh, time alone and that time alone is time where you're in your own head and on the mountains there's no distraction there's no internet there's no social media you are you know invariably cold uh, you know the conditions are extreme and you have a lot of time to think and some of the thoughts that are coming into your mind you're thinking wow is that what I really think is that what I believe is that what I where am I with that so it's a it's a very healthy um, uh, almost release in a way because of the extreme conditions you you cannot have a big ego climbing mountains because the egos have no no use to you you cannot have a big persona cannot be over focused on persona what other people think of you when you're climbing mountains because no one cares on a mountain it's about where you are with your boot on the mountain at a point in time it's irrelevant. There is no audience watching. And, mm. and so these things become quite bare. And, and the title of the book is Naked at the Knife Edge. And that premise of on a mountain, you know, in tall, extreme conditions, you do feel very naked and vulnerable. And once you cross the bridge and realize, oh, my God, that, that, is, that is an absolute strength. That is where I can be myself, but I can also understand what that self is and let go of all the junk, the baggage, the the hang-ups, the behaviors, the insecurities that we all have, then that's a point of freedom. And the mountains were very helpful for me in, in, in going down that journey or going along that journey and being able to hopefully bring that back to my clients in very much a sharing situation, not me being professor and let me lecture you on XYZ nonsense. It really about me reflecting on my own journey and having people uh, connect with that and share theirs, so very much a 50-50 partnership. Mm, that's wonderful. That's great. And I think that we're, you know, we're all the same underneath everything. And when you have experienced all of the vulnerability and all of the nakedness and all of the fears that I am sure every leader hides with a persona. It's almost like you can be laser focused on knowing what's really going on with them underneath all of the stuff and really getting to the heart of what they need to become aware of, to let go and to use vulnerability and everything else is a strength. Correct. 
what I try and do is is find out from people where does vulnerability exist in their lives where they're extremely comfortable with it, where it is part of them. And invariably it comes back to uh, their lives at home, mm. their families, where there's significant, significant others in their lives where they can be themselves. And that's a place um, of, of balance. It's a place of resourcefulness for them, a place of playfulness, dare I say it, place of, of joy uh, of empathy and it's it's fascinating isn't it when when in many of the leaders I work with they think when, when they're in a position of leadership there's some kind of suit they must put on a superman or superwoman suit a suit that that helps them fulfill a role and where we're going in leadership these days and we're seeing that we're remote working we're seeing that with you know uh, Millennials and the generational changes that, that keep coming, uh, of course, and evolving, is that people say, well, they don't buy that. Like, they don't accept that. So we are having pushback from people where they're saying, I don't want you in a suit. I want, I want to see you as a person. I want to see you, yes, as a balanced leader, but also as a human being. I want to see you somebody as decisive, somebody I respect, somebody who can make tough calls, but fair calls, but somebody who can also have empathy and compassion at the same time so i think there's a much greater pressure all the time for leaders mm. to be more holistic as people more influential and the generations are demanding that not asking for it they're demanding that and at the same time what i'm helping them to do is to just realize that within that that is not just more rocks in their backpack more things they need to do this is about being them being one version of themselves. The same person they are at home. Bring that same person to work and, and, and letting go of the need to, in a way, the, you know, to be somebody they're not because they just think that's, that's, that's how I need to be. So it, it's getting people to evolve as leaders uh, to keep up with the changing times that we're in. And the Great Resignation is part of that, mm. uh, where people are leaving and there's a huge fight for talent right now. And, and people are really asking that question about culture, culture, culture. What's the culture? What's the leadership culture? What's the decision-making culture? How do people fit in? How, how are people engaged? And it, it's, it, it's more difficult to lead these days, I think, than it's ever been because of the complexity more difficult to lead because it sounds like the people coming in, I mean, workers, they want something different. It's not the old ways any longer. Is that fair to say? Correct. I mean, when I started my career, I, my, my boss, he, he told me what to do and he told me what he didn't like. And, you know, and he was, you know, there was no messing around. I knew very <laughs> clearly. And that was it. I had to get on with it. And then I didn't know how I was doing. I didn't get much feedback. And at the end of the year, I got a pay rise. And I guess that was my, that was my feedback, right? And that's totally changed. It doesn't exist anymore, that world, for the most part. No. Um, people want ongoing feedback. They want ongoing engagement. Um, so leaders now have to, be, have to have more effective coaching skills. They've got to recognize mm -hmm. talent, know that each person has different needs. They can motivate people in different ways. At the end of the day, it's all about performance. They want, they want people to give the performance that their job that they need as a company or, or an enterprise to succeed. But understanding the, the, what's the, almost the, you know, cracking the code with 
each individual where they can get that person toward their best performance or not and sometimes things don't work out but 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 being able to go down that road and have everyone on the same page in terms of transparency about where that person is for what the role is required um, and the role what the role requires and calibrating that supporting their development but also getting them to be honest themselves about how they're doing against the expectations uh, and sometimes things aren't a good fit and finding one's voice in order to help people see that is also just as important. Um, so in a lot of ways, the the workforce is keeping leaders accountable. Right. For how they yeah. how they show up, how they perform, is their integrity, is their trust. And it's it's like that's what's that's what they're demanding. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's the the change in leadership in the last in the last ten years or so, and certainly supercharged by through the pandemic of all of the you know the forces that that have gone with that and things that we've had to learn in different ways and 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 motivate people through through screens as opposed to sitting down with them and again a different way to do it and you lose some things with that you gain some things but you also lose some things so one has to be agile. Mm. Leaders are much more agile these days, or at least the expectation is to be more agile. And how do you do that without burning more energy? And I think the one finite resource leaders have is energy. And if you waste the energy or you burn energy on things that are not giving a return, then that's energy gone. Uh, and and that's, it. that's a huge, it's a huge issue. That can be overthinking, it can be overreacting, underreacting, not sure what to do. Um, so getting that balance right is, is profoundly important for effectiveness. Um, so when you work with, with your leadership clients, high-level clients, how does the coaching in a lot of ways help them use their voices and their platforms to really help create change within their company, within, I'll go out on a limb here, even society, um, because there's so much pressure on leaders today. It's not just in the company, they're almost in a fishbowl. Right, I think the, helping people to listen to themselves is where the answer is. In most cases, the people I work with their season, their experience, their, their, you know, a lot of background, educated, all of that great stuff. They don't need to read more stuff to be, to be better informed. In most cases, it's about getting out of their own heads and really listening to their own judgment. In most cases, they're, they observe what's happening around them. They're just not quite sure how to react to that, right? And it's, it's, it's getting them to think a few steps forward, two or three steps forward. If I do this, what would the reaction be one, two steps ahead? If alternatively, if I, if I do another approach, um, how would they react? And, and the, the core of this is, is being aware of what's happening with the people they're engaging with, putting themselves in their shoes. So being intuitive around the situations that are happening around them and then listening to their own intuition 
this is not about reading more books it's not about going on more courses this is about um, taking the information they already have and processing it efficiently and helping them with new ways or tools or techniques where they can be more effective with that it's connecting those dots that already exist so we know you climbed all the summits did did everest which was the last one did that was that a different window for you on how you engaged in 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 everest compared to the other summits did it, it was there any kind of another shift everest was exponentially more difficult than any other any any of the other uh, seven summits uh, higher way more dangerous a huge obstacle course every cell in your body when you get to everest tells you you shouldn't be here it's not it's not a place for human habitation at all so on that score the pressure was exponential um, the introspection uh, was also exponential and don't forget terry i, I was on the mountain for two months and the book details that experience of two months on the mountain and the reflections that go in there. So I went on my own personal journey. Just because I'm a coach, you would think, he goes to Everest, he's got a bit of a leg up, you know, he kind of knows he can help people, he understands his own mind well, and off he goes. Well, that's how it wasn't. It wasn't like that for me. Um, it was just as difficult physically as everybody else, and I had to go on my own journey and question that maybe I'm more reflective than the average person in terms of my personality and what I do. Um, but that, uh, in, that introspection then led me to places that uh, I didn't necessarily know knew existed, didn't want to go to. And the book highlights a, a roller coaster right. with the learnings and the wisdoms that I took from each part, each chapter of that. And, um, and it's almost three aspects of it. There's obviously the climbing of the mountain. That's the one aspect of the book. The other one is my personal journey which was profound. And then the third aspect is the leadership takeaways that I observed and reflected on in pulling all that together to be a successful expedition team, which we ultimately were, but what a grinding journey to, to get there and to get down safely. Um, it's really about the journey and, and less so the destination. And that was very much the case with Everest. I would imagine, I love that, that for every leader, it's about the journey in a lot of ways and how they can, um, you know, we all have our own Mount Everest within us, right? That we all climb maybe every day, maybe not. Um, and for it sounds like, you know, for a leader, it's about the destination. It's not looking, wow, there's a finishing point here. Correct. So what's one, one thing you can add and one maybe, I hate to use the word piece of advice, but one thing you could share? I think um, this idea of just being one person Everyone else, everybody else is taken. So it, <laughs> does, it does sound ridiculously simple. 
but um, but forget about putting the different suits on. Of course, when you're a leader, it's a bit like being a parent. You're not telling your children everything. That would be that would be wrong. But they sense authenticity. They sense care. They sense mm. judgment. They sense decisiveness. Um, and that's the same as a leader. It doesn't mean you have to be somebody different. You can be the same person. You just perhaps have a few more filters. But essentially, that if you have, well, that one person, whether it be at home, whether it be at work, tweak the filters a little. But this idea of putting on a whole different suit um, and internalizing things and carrying those stress and overthinking and not managing energy, that's it's no one cares. And, and I say to a leader, you're not going to care in 20 years. You won't remember any of this stuff, but you will remember who moved you along the way. And you will have regrets about who you did not move or who you impacted positively and negatively. So it's so much easier just to build that as your your core, right? Being yourself and moving people along the way. And your voice should be a voice of truth um, and, and, and finding that balance. Life is short and precious for all of us. Everest for me reminded me how short and finite it could end at any mm. moment, one false, one slip of a boot, and it could be over. Uh, and we're so lucky, we're so lucky to to, um, to be here and, and, and take one day at a time and make it fulfilling. And then some point, you know, our, we, we will, that, that'll be our lives, right? So it's good to look back and think about that, 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 that boot print that we took. <laughs> with some sort of a ding on the universe that uh, will be left after we finish. Not about achievements, but about how we make people feel. Mm. Yeah. Well, in all transparency, I have known Vivian a long time. I have been on his journeys up Everest, not there, but in what he went through. I have read his wonderful book, Naked at the Knife Edge, Please, it's a great, great book. Um, I am thrilled that he wrote it. And Vivian, thank you so much for being here. It's been a very wonderful conversation. You're more than welcome, Terry, and, and very happy to, to join you this morning and, and share the learning uh, as much yes. as you can. Thank you. You'll want to listen to our next episode with Will Sullivan, entrepreneur extraordinaire who transformed and created change in the visitor experience area at one of the largest museums in the world, the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Thank you for joining the conversation. For related content on extraordinary work, visit my website, trycoaching.com. I'll be back in two weeks with another conversation. Be sure to follow this podcast so you don't miss an episode. If this resonates with you, I welcome your rating and review. Always remember, when you work with passion and purpose, your work can become extraordinary 